Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Champions League draw is set. We got a group of death. I feel like we have a group of mini death and so many intriguing matchups. 13 USMNT players are record. Two Peruvians. You know I'm going to say that one. Jimmy Conrad looks so good. Jonathan Johnson will join us later to discuss the Champions League 2021-2022 season is all ready to begin. Kigo Lasso begins right now. Hey, everybody, welcome to Kigo Lasso, this live episode on YouTube. If you're listening later on audio, thank you so much. Don't forget to support, subscribe, like, follow, do whatever you can to help us grow. And this is the Champions League post-draw show. Jimmy Conrad, you look so good. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, LME. Great to see you as always. Everybody watching, what is up? How is it going? I mean, I'm excited. The reason I, I got dressed up, because it's very formal. This is a very big day. In no one told the me, world of the beautiful. I mean, you look you look good as always. Your face really carries everything because you're so handsome, LME. But but for me, I got to put on a 1970s tux to really enhance the whole experience. And and I'm here for it. This was a great group stage draw, even though UEFA loves to drag it out and, and make it uh, a little bit more theatrical than than maybe we're all just like just just pull out the balls and let's go. You know, so seriously, so <laughs> it is what it is. But we're here now discussing it, and I think there's some juicy matchups to get into. Absolutely. As you mentioned, sometimes these things can drag on and they can be like the football version of the English patient. It's like, <laughs> let's get on with it already. But Jimmy Conrad, you look so good. Uh, the American James Bond. I love it. Let's get going. Uh, let's discuss straight away. We're not really going to get into group by group. I think that's going to be part of the conversation, everybody. And by the way, if you're watching this on YouTube, please uh, throw in the comments and questions. We want to answer them because everybody's excited, especially if you're a supporter of a respective club. Jimmy Conrad, and by the way, Jonathan Johnson, our PSG insider, hopefully will join later on. But we will definitely talk PSG. Don't you worry. But Jimmy Conrad, straight away, just your initial thoughts of the draw on these groups. Okay, I would say group of death. I'm just going to start there. The hardest group for me out of these eight groups is group B. Atletico Madrid, Liverpool, Porto, who got into the knockout rounds and beat Juventus along the way. AC Milan. 100%. That is a ridiculous group. Now, I will say the one that is the most competitive for me is Group G. You have Lille, you have Sevilla, you have Salzburg, and you have Wolfsburg. I like that. I think Sevilla are like, wow, thank you very much. Lille's not the same after losing their manager, Christophe Galtier. They haven't looked the same. He went to Nice, and, and they're just not really firing on all cylinders to start the season. That could change, obviously, as the group stages go along. I think that second-place spot in Group G is wide open. I'm very excited about that. Some of the other ones, Group H, Chelsea and Juve, probably going to go through. I like Group F, Villarreal taking on Manchester United, a rematch of the Europa League final. But let's just say it right now. The manager of Villarreal, Unai Emery, doesn't like having success in the Champions League. He loves the Europa League, baby. You know, that's where he likes to play his trade. Atalanta's in there as well. And then Young Boys, who I think could take some points off of people. They have an American manager in David Wagner. So I'm very excited to see how they go. And then and then Group D is a, is a, is a rehash, a rinse and repeat of Group B from last season with Inter, Real Madrid, so weird, Shakhtar, huh? and and 
I shot the sheriff. Isn't that one as well? And I did not shoot the deputy. <laughs> group, group, C, group C, though, is very similar to Group G. You got Sporting Club de Portugal, Borussia Dortmund, Ajax, and Besiktas. It feels pretty wide open. And then, obviously, the creme de la creme. You got Manchester City, PSG, RB Leipzig, and Club Bruges. All due respect to Club Bruges. It's probably between those other three teams. But, wow. I mean, especially if Cristiano Ronaldo goes to Manchester City, that is wild. We'll have Messi and Ronaldo again in the group stages. They were doing it last season for Juve and Barcelona. I just, I'm here for it. I'm excited. You're absolutely here for it. What a great description. I totally agree. So many intriguing storylines. I shot the sheriff. <laughs> what a Peruvian, by the way. Hey, Jonathan Johnson is here and he's joining us right now. Jonathan Johnson. Jonathan, what a ridiculous draw. There are so many storylines. I just talked to Jimmy about uh, his initial thoughts. So give it to me, JJ. What do you make of it? Yeah, obviously it's a uh, it, it's it's crazy to see such a, a heavyweight battle, uh, you know, between PSG, Man City, and you look at some of the other groups as well. You know, very very exciting. But I think PSG City, especially considering that you know City dis, uh, disposed of PSG on their way to the, to last season's final, uh, you know, there's just so many potential you know headlines, talking points here. You know, you know that's not even touching. Uh, you know, on whether it's going to be Cristiano Ronaldo or against Lionel Messi once again, you know, that's a possibility at this moment in time. So, you know, it's just hugely uh, exciting to, to, to see, you know, such a, a heavyweight battle coming straight out of the gate. Absolutely. Hey, let's get into it. Uh, let's begin with you, Jimmy, and then JJ, you follow right along. I want to hear your, your, your biggest winner. Who's the biggest winner from this draw? You know, it could be a straight up answer that you think, but maybe there's a club that you think, you know what, or maybe a group in itself that you think is a big winner coming out of it. Jimmy, what do you think? I'm going to give you three three teams. I think Chelsea are a big winner because I don't think Juve, obviously this uncertainty around Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, Maxi Allegri still kind of inheriting a team that maybe doesn't have that identity just yet. So I think they are going to probably end up topping that group. And then Zenit and Malmo, you know, it's going to be, they should take care of those two teams. I think the one thing with Zenit, they're going to have to travel a little bit. Malmo is obviously a little bit closer, but there are some, some that I would look at. Okay, you have to travel very far midweek to go to these big games. So that one could be a bit of an issue. But I think Chelsea, Sevilla, as I mentioned, in that group with Lille, who are not the same without uh, Christophe Galtier as their manager. Uh, Wolfsburg and Salzburg will both be competitive. But I think Sevilla just have that, that understanding and experience under Julian Lopetegui to get the business done. Eric Lamella has looked pretty good the first couple games here for them. And then I think Borussia Dortmund have to feel pretty good about it. Got Sporting Club de Portugal, who are going to be challenging and be tough. But then Ajax, obviously, are still going to be good. But they have times where they drop off a bit. We saw it against Roma when they should have beat Roma last season, and they did it. And then Besiktas, still a little bit of an unknown quantity. But I think that Erling Holland can, can score a lot of goals against those three teams. So I like Dortmund as well. they got to be feeling pretty good because they could have had a much tougher group. Yeah, I think you guys are being a bit uh, respectful towards Lille. I heard, uh, heard your comments earlier. I, I think they're going to absolutely bomb. I'm actually really disappointed <laughs> that Monaco uh, didn't make the group stage, especially in the especially in those circumstances. No, it's I mean it's you know I think the the, the appointment of Gorvanek over the summer hugely underwhelming. Uh, there's going to be players moving between now and the end of the transfer window. We might lose Botman uh, going to to Wolves. I, I'm I'm really worried. I mean it's you know. Pairing PSG's draw, which is a difficult group, especially if they start as slowly as they did last season, with Lille, who are champions of France, yet you know a shadow of the side that they were last season. 
you know, it, it's it's very worrying times for for French football and what might happen on the continent, especially when you bear in mind uh, that uh, France has already been passed by Portugal in the coefficient ranking because of what happened in the in the group stage qualifiers. So, you know, obviously, I've got huge reservations uh, over over what happens there, uh, and. Can we please get a bit of originality in some of these draws? How do we end up with Inter, Real, Shakhtar, you know, two seasons in a row? It's like it's like Bayern Munich playing Arsenal five consecutive yeah. seasons in a row in the Champions hey, listen, League. Enough. I, I hope that none of these coaches uh, threw away their PDF files and they just saved it from last season because it's exactly the same groups. J- JJ, not getting away with this one. Give me your biggest winner. Who do you think? Ah, biggest winner. Uh, you know, I think there's a, there's a few teams that have, have really won. I mean, I think Chelsea, to be perfectly honest, you know, you look at their group, I think that they're going to be really happy with that. Juve, you know, look like they're going to have the same problems that they had at the end of uh, Allegri's former reign. Uh, you know, this time around, they've, they've started looking pretty sluggish. Whether or not they can capitalize on a potential exit of Cristiano Ronaldo before the end of the transfer window, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, you know, but I just think Chelsea, especially with the the, the way that they've strengthened the squad, uh, this summer, for for me, I think they look uh, they look really strong. It wouldn't surprise me if they make another deep run this season. Yeah, and listen to your point about Lille. My biggest winner, Sevilla. I think Sevilla is looking at this group and thinking we can take care of business here and we can do it quite easily. With all due respect to everybody else, I we got a question. United, United as well. We'll be looking at yeah, that. that, that that's group. a golf fest of a group right there, I think. Don't you think? You never know what you're going to get with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Jimmy Conrad. Well, what I'll say is that I thought Manchester United started their group very, very brightly last time. They beat PSG in Paris 2-1. They went home and beat RB Leipzig 5-0. Then they went down to Istanbul and thinking, ah, oh, we can smoke a cigarette and put out whoever we want and beat Bashakshi here. And then they give up a, a breakaway from 50 yards to Demba Ba. I still can't forgive them for that. So I thought Ole Gunnar <laughs> got his tactics wrong in that particular one. And those drop points against Bishakshi here is what ultimately cost them from getting into the knockout rounds because they had a must-win game in Leipzig that they ended up losing 3-2. So Man United against Villarreal, I think they can do the business and get the majority of the points there. Against Atalanta, potentially the same, even though I'm a big Gasparini fan. Young Boys, though, is the team that actually scares me against Man United because I think they could take them like they did with Bishakshi here and just take it easy and not really up the tempo in the way that they should. I think Young Boys will take some points from some of these other teams. So that's a tough group as well. Yeah, it is. It is. Sam Martin in the comment section, by the way. Asan, thank you so much for watching. Uh, who was the easiest path out of the group stages? I'm going to throw that to JJ first. I mean, I think looking at it just on face value, uh, you know, Dortmund probably have one of the best routes, uh, potential routes, uh, you know, out of the group. Uh, you know, Sporting, Ajax, Besiktas, no disrespect to any of them. You know, I think that, that, is a, that that's a good draw and that could see them go far. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm also, I, I agree with Jimmy. I think Sevilla, uh, you know, will feel, uh, you know, very confident as well. Um, and it, I, I mean, I want to say somebody from the, the group with Atletico and Liverpool, but, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think with two, two fairly strongish teams in there in Atletico and Liverpool, it's, it's difficult to pick just one. Uh, you know, and I'd, I'd say as well, depending on how Barca look, uh, in the early in the early games, that it could be quite a decent route for Bayern as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree with JJ with Bayern Munich. We haven't really discussed that group at all. I was hoping Club Bruges would get in there so it'd all be B's. We'd have Bayern, Barcelona, Benfica, and Bruges. But unfortunately, Dynamo Kiev had to 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 ruin the party there. But I do think that Bayern Munich uh, have a nice nice road. Ultimately, they're going to be challenged, I think, by all those clubs. But ultimately, especially if they can tighten things up on the defensive side of the ball. They should get through that, and Lewandowski should score 
quite a few goals. So I'm curious to see how they how they manage that. And ultimately now it's it's who plays who, right? I'm kind of curious what the schedule looks like in terms of match days and, and who's playing who and when, because I think that does make a difference. Absolutely. And that's actually where we're going next. The best matchups. When you look at all these groups and you think about, you know, who is going to be facing who and to your point, Jimmy Conrad, specifically when it's happening, if it's sandwiched in between some key domestic competitions. And by the way, as we're discussing, listen, we're not we don't live in a cave. We know what's going on. Kylian Mbappe interested in Real Madrid. Real Madrid is uh, supposed to per Fabrizio Romano right now, literally. And JJ, I'm sure you are also got your ear here that you know that that move maybe might happen. Cristiano Ronaldo as well wants uh, Manchester City. Not sure if the you know if it will be reciprocated due to the money that might be needed from Juventus' perspective. So there's a lot still of moving parts from different players that may good. But when we look at these games in these groups, what matchup intrigues you the most, uh, Jimmy? I'm gonna say PSG Man City is one that I'm looking at for obvious reasons. That that seems like uh, the, the premier matchup. I do, though, want to give a shout-out to Atletico Madrid taking on Liverpool because the last time these two faced off against each other was actually the last Champions League game before COVID hit, if you guys remember that one. And Atleti went to Anfield needing a result, and they got it. Marcus Llorente was sick in that one. Morata ended up scoring the one that put the nail in the coffin, and Atleti knocked out the reigning champions of the Champions League at that time. So... I kind of want to see Simeone versus Klopp again just to kind of relive that matchup because that was a, a, a very good one. And especially over two legs in the group stages, it should be a lot of fun. What do you think, JJ? Yeah, obviously, I'm looking forward to PSG and City as well. A little extra bonus for me, not just, uh, you know, their their meetings the last couple of seasons, but Jack Grealish coming up against PSG. <laughs> I mean, you know, there has to be some sort of silver lining to that that sad move over the summer. Uh, so, yeah, obviously, I'm uh, I'm I'm looking forward to that one. I mean, elsewhere, uh, you know, I think the Bayern Barca, you know, that that has a real traditional feel to it, and I like that Benfica have been thrown into that mix as well. So, I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on that one. Uh, Real Man United is, you know, being a rematch of a of a, another European final is always is always cool when that happens. Uh, you know, but I think Chelsea, Chelsea, Juve as well. You know, that's another big name clash. Uh, you know, very traditional. Uh, and also, you know, Group B when you've got Atletico, Liverpool, and AC Milan all in the mix. You know, it kind of takes you back a, a decade or so. You know, seeing some of these massive European names all together. Yeah, that's the one that I was looking at. Uh, Liverpool against AC Milan. It's got so much history, of course, not just uh, in the Champions League, but UEFA, uh, Europa League, of course, as well. All right, we got another question uh, coming in from Nicholas. Thank you so much. What does the panel make of Benfica's draw? I mean, we've touched on it, but not enough. Uh, any chance they advance to the knockout stage? And just to remember... Uh, remind everybody, it's a uh, Group E, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, and Dynamo Kiev. Jimmy, what do you think? I'll say that I was pleasantly surprised that Benfica got past PSV Eindhoven in the qualifying rounds to get into this spot, especially after getting a red card in the second leg and they had to hold off PSV. Now, PSV don't look the same without Daniel Mullen, who left to Borussia Dortmund. But that said, I like the stout defensive work that I saw, especially when Oda Mendy's in the team, with all due respect to, to Benfica fans out there. Oda Mendy's always due for a mistake, whether he's playing for club or country. So it's not isolated to him playing for Benfica. But if they can continue to have that kind of attitude and identity uh, on that side of the ball, of course, I think they have a chance, especially with Barcelona still trying to figure out who they are post-Messi. Uh, Dinamo Kiev, you can never sleep on those guys because... I don't think a lot of the, the top, top players for the top clubs are really familiar with who they're playing against. So there's always that possibility. But 
if Benfica really want to go through and have a chance to maybe get second in this group behind Bayern Munich, they have to win both games against Kiev and they got to steal some points from Barcelona. That's the way they should be looking at it. And I'm sure that that's what they are, but they have the quality to get through for sure. It's just a matter of can they maintain that consistency and also try to, to you know, regain the title in Portugal because they were third last season. So obviously they've got a couple things that have their focus. And I feel like if you're a team of Benfica's size, you need to put everything you have to try to get through the knockout rounds or try to get into the knockout rounds. And that's not always easy when you balance the domestic stuff as well. Especially when you are trying to protect home turf, I guess the home games are going to be very important. JJ, what do you make of it? Barcelona, Bayern Munich, clearly the uh, favorites in that group. But Benfica, they have a chance? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think, uh, you know, they'd be looking at probably finishing third in that group at this moment in time, uh, you know, but it all, it really all depends, depends on how the, how the teams are shaping up. You know, I expect Bayern to be the strongest team in this group. And I think, you know, it's between Benfica and, and Barcelona, you know, we've seen Barca, you know, really in crisis this summer, losing Messi, you know, being able to register players just about by the skin of their teeth. Uh, and, you know, and I think if they're, if, if they're looking vulnerable, in the early games, it also depends on when the matchups come, uh, you know, who Benfica, you know, start with, you know, you look at that draw and, you know, perhaps if Benfica start with a Dynamo Kiev, perhaps a Kiev at home, you know, make a strong start, then that could really change the way that things look for a second place. I, I don't think that Benfica could finish top of the group, uh, you know, and I, I don't think there'd be many people kidding themselves that that could happen, but could, could they sneak second? Sure. Uh, it just, it really depends on Barcelona, I feel. All right, we got another question here from Quinn, by the way. Over on over under on four goal contributions from Brendan Aronson. I love Brendan Aronson, by the way, in the group. Jimmy, what do you think? Oh, over for sure. And thanks for that uh, question, Quinn. I think that Brendan Aronson showed his worth, obviously scoring a goal in each of the, the two legs in the last round of qualifying to get into the group stages. What I really liked, though, was that second half of the first leg when he came on as a super sub and ended up, helping create the first goal and then scoring the second. He's just busy in and around the box. He's always looking for things. He's always sniffing around. And what I love is that he's not reacting to a lot of plays. He's anticipating. And that's hard to teach, especially for young players. And he's always putting himself in good positions. And if it doesn't come right away, he's going to find a new space to try to create a new angle. And his energy is fantastic. And I think as he continues to grow, it's going to be really competitive for him to get minutes on the U.S. men's national team. If I'm Gio Reyna a little bit right now, I'm like, Yo, this Aronson kid's pretty good. I don't know if I want to lose my minutes to him. And Pulisic, obviously Pulisic's still the, still the guy and going to be wearing the number 10 shirt for us. But Aronson's, I think, started to close that gap. And so definitely the over on this. Six games for him to have over four goal contributions, no problem. 13 USMNT players in the Champions League group stage. That's a record. Absolutely unbelievable. Jonathan Johnson is an outsider. How, how do you feel about this? A lot of Americans. And of course, you know, when we see Chelsea against Juventus as well, McKinney against Pulisic, although if McKinney stays at Juventus, re reports of interest, especially for the Premier League. That's a lot. 13 USMNT players. Yeah, very exciting. I mean, especially for for, for Jimmy, uh, you know, going back to Aronson, um, you know, I think it, I think it's been a really good draw actually for for Salzburg. Uh, you know, like I said, I've already voiced my concerns about Lille, but then you look in that group as well, Sevilla. You know, there's always a lot of changing pieces. You know, you look if they're losing somebody like a, a Kunde, for example, just before the end of the transfer deadline. Uh, it's it, there's potential there for 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 Salzburg to be, you know, perhaps one of the more solid and and formidable 
formidable sides in that in that group, and I definitely think Aronson will be a, a key performer there. And then obviously, you know, to have uh, the likes of Pulisic, you know, picking up a Champions League title last season, it's a huge boost uh, for the American game. And obviously, to have that many players to, to be looking forward to watching uh, week in, week out uh, in the Champions League group stages is a, is a, is a massive boon. And, and hopefully the majority of them can make it to the knockout stage. And by the way, two Peruvians, okay? Sergio Peña in Malmo and <laughs> Gustavo Dulanto in I Shot the Sheriff. So, you know, watch out for that one. All right, I want to ask something for you. We all had our predictions on who might win this whole thing. As the group stage is set, has that changed your mind, Jimmy? I think what's changed my mind the most is actually the odds that the bookies are putting out there on Caesar Sportsbook, who we partner with. They have PSG as the favorites at plus 275, Man City's plus 350. So these are American odds. If you're over in Europe, it's three and a half to one, 350. And then it jumps up. Bayern Munich's plus 700, which I find somewhat interesting. And then it's two uh, English Premier League clubs at plus 800, Liverpool and Chelsea. I like that Chelsea bet a lot. I know it's not easy to win back-to-back. Real Madrid won it three times in a row from 2016 to 2018 in four out of five years when Ancelotti did it and won La Decima. But prior to that, the the, the other team that won back-to-back was AC Milan back in 88 and 89. It's not easy to do, but when you add a piece like Romelu Lukaku, when you continue to strengthen your team in other areas to provide that depth so you can be be comfortable and and confident and and, uh, successful in multiple competitions – I like that value a lot for Chelsea. That's the one I'm kind of leaning towards just based on the value alone. It's just like, wow. I mean, I can I can put 10 bucks on here and win 80 on Chelsea. Like seriously? So so PSG obviously on paper, tremendous. They 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 didn't need a goalkeeper because they already had one in Kaylor Navas. They wouldn't got one anyway. Player of the tournament in the Euros with Donnarumma. They probably needed some kind of wing back. They got one in Ashraf Hakimi, arguably the best in Europe. Seven goals and seven assists for Inter Milan last season. They needed a little leadership in the back. They got it with Sergio Ramos. And then, oh, hey, by the way, Leo Messi is going to come play with us as well. Now, they still have the headache of killing Mbappe's situation. I assume that's going to get resolved here in the next four or five days. But PSG on paper should do it. But that doesn't mean you're always going to do it. They still have to go out there and play it. Over two legs against a Chelsea team or a Man City team or anybody that's really stout defensively and has a good identity, it could break through this PSG team. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, we have one of the best insiders of uh, Paris Saint-Germain, Paris-based Jonathan Johnson. Talk to me. What do you make of PSG? Oh, in... Obviously, PSG, when you've got that much star quality, they're always going to be fancied as, a, you know, potential contenders for the title. Uh, you know, and we've we've said this now for the last couple of seasons as well that you know people fancy them going all the way. Uh, you know, and they ha- they've shown that they've shown that by you know be- they went all the way and then got beaten by Bayern. Uh, you know, they got to the latter stages last season, came up against City and fell short. So they have proven themselves. They've sort of got over that mental hurdle. But now you've almost got. Mauricio Pochettino starting from scratch to establish a starting eleven, and in such a difficult group, depending on how the fixtures fall, it could get quite tricky quite quickly uh, for PSG in that group. Equally, it could also, uh, you know, be the case for City as well. But City, you know, they've made fewer major changes than PSG, and you know, if you suddenly take Mbappe out of there as well, uh, you know, and you've got figures who are so used to leading their teams in Ramos and Messi to come in, uh, you know, in terms of the chemistry. It's basically like starting again. So it's also quite a risk for PSG. Uh, you know, and I think that although obviously on paper they have the quality, they have the ability to to go far, it depends on how quickly Pochettino can get them to gel. And being brutally honest, from what we've seen from Pochettino with PSG so far, you don't necessarily fancy, you know, that being an overnight job. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. We had a question there from a producer, Des. I think it was from a very handsome man called Igor Mello, I think. He was asking about Serie A teams. Obviously, you can watch Serie A on Paramount Plus, so that's a good plug right there. But Serie A teams, which one do you think has the toughest job getting out of the groups? Jimmy. Uh uh, toughest for sure, AC Milan. They're in Group B with Atletico Madrid and Porto and Liverpool. That is going to be a top, top job for Stefano Pioli, the manager of Milan, to, to have to navigate the high seas of that group because that's the group of death, undoubtedly. Now, when I look at Juve, they're there with Chelsea. I just think for Maxi Allegri, and I agree with JJ, the fixture list here, who plays who and when, is going to be really important because if Juve can start with a Zenit or if they can start with a Malmo, that's a you know you kind of ease into the Champions League group stage and then face Chelsea when you start to get a, a better idea of who you are as a team. So that's going to be really important. If they start off with Chelsea, that could get a little dicey potentially. So I think Juve probably should get through that group, but we'll see. Sometimes they're their own worst enemy. Atalanta though, I think is very interesting because they have Villarreal and Manchester United and young boys. They're going to have the quality, especially if they can hold on to Duvan Zapata, Luis Muriel. We can't say enough about him on this show. We think he's a tremendous player. For me, it's still you lost Christian Romero. You lost Galini in goal. You have a couple holes that I think will be filled, right? But how is that going to be brought along by Gasparini? So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how he kind of connects the dots. But uh, you can't sleep on Gasparini now, now Now as a tactician. The guy is, is a magician. So it'd be really cool to see how he does against some of these other managers and Ole Gunnar and, and uh, Unai Simo, uh, Emery, excuse me, uh, uh, in particular. Yeah, no, some really good points, especially as the window closes. Jonathan, what happens, though, if uh, Ronaldo does leave Juventus? Does that make it, obviously, much harder for that Serie A team getting out of there against Zenit, Malmo, and Chelsea? It doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, it really depends on how they spend, uh, you know, the money that would come in, uh, you know, especially at such short notice. Uh, you'd assume that if he does go, that there have been some targets lined up. But then again, you know, Juve have been relatively inactive this summer, uh, you know, so for them to suddenly be active on the market, I think will be a telltale sign that, you know, Ronaldo is on his way. So clubs will immediately hike up the, the asking price and they will do anyway this late in the day. So, you know, I think it could potentially ease things sort of within the within the team within the hierarchy it also makes them a bit more mobile on the pitch you know obviously they'd lose a bit of experience but also I'm not sure how much of a positive keeping Cristiano Ronaldo is at this stage when it's quite clear that he doesn't see his future in Turin so you know I think it would be more of a plus than a negative than a minus uh you know for me if if Ronaldo moves on so I agree I think that that Juve it completely depends how the fixtures are going to fall uh but you know I I, th I think Chelsea for me strongest team in this uh in this group but I've I've also uh painted Zenit uh as you know dark horses in groups before and they've completely bombed so I you know I'd, I'd need to see major improvement from them uh, if I'm if I'm to believe that they're going to finish anything better than uh, third or fourth you're not falling for that one ever again. All right. What about, listen, just a quick focus on Premier League uh, clubs. Obviously, uh, there's always an interest uh, to see how far they go. Uh, you know, we got Liverpool in Group B, Chelsea, we've already talked about, Manchester United. Who d Does it remain the favorite? Because I my sneaky team to go all the way, sneaky, plus 800, is Liverpool. What do you think of that, Jimmy Conrad? I think health is of the utmost importance for the Reds and Jurgen Klopp in particular. Obviously, they have a point to prove in the Premier League as well. As they now have to manage both of these competitions. We've seen in the past, they won the Champions League and just lost the league a couple seasons ago. And then they won the league and didn't do so well in the Champions League. So so it's 
it's it's really that point of emphasis. What are you going to focus on as a manager and as a team? And where are you going to throw all of your energy and time and desire and emotion and enthusiasm? So that is a question for all of the big clubs, right? As they try to balance all of this. But when it comes to Liverpool, health is of the utmost uh, importance with regard to their success. I think they can do it. Plus 800 is great value for them. What I love is that their core has already done it before. So they have the experience of winning this competition, which is important. Chelsea have that as well, plus 800. And then you have Manchester United, who are plus 1,400 to go on and win it. Now, Ole Gunnar's done a pretty good job in most competitions of getting to the semifinal. And now he went to two finals last year and lost. Maybe he's ready to take that step. I feel like they're still assigning away, maybe in that holding midfield spot. Now with McTominay, who's going to be out for the next month to six weeks to a, a growing injury. Do you rely on Fred? They're still missing, I think, one or two players, maybe even a number nine to help out with Cavani because he's getting older. Can he do all these games and play in every competition? Probably not. So, so there's a couple question marks I have with United, but I don't have those question marks with Liverpool and Chelsea. Is there a club in the Premier League, Jonathan Johnson, that you think then you're not getting out of this group? <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that there's a club that I don't think are going to get out of the group. But I, I do think that for me, City and Chelsea are by far and away the the, the strongest teams uh, in this group stage. Liverpool, I mean, I think it, it, it totally depends. I mean, we've seen Liverpool be strong in the league, but look a little vulnerable in the Champions League in the past. And then they come on strong quite late on, make a burst out of the group and then end up going quite deep. So, uh, you know, we we will see how that one shakes out. I mean, like I said before, I do like the, the pedigree uh, of of group b in terms of everything that all the clubs have done uh, on the the european scene over the years um you know and the man U. I mean i, I think it's a really favorable group uh, i cannot see them not finishing in the in the top two i think it depends you know Real have been very very shaky uh in pre-season lost the super cup to chelsea as well so i i wouldn't surprise me to see United and Atalanta getting out of the group there so i i don't really think that there's any premier league side that's potentially at risk here by the way, before we wrap up, we haven't even talked that much about Real Madrid. Carlo Ancelotti returning to Italy because Inter Milan, obviously, it's a very similar group, as we mentioned, as before. But anything on Real Madrid, Jimmy Conrad? I mean, listen, like, you know, Karim Benzema, clearly the star, arguably the star of La Liga in itself. Ancelotti maybe giving them a little bit of confidence. Vinicius Jr. is looking good. Real Madrid, what are your thoughts? Well, they've scored seven goals in their first two games so far this season, but they've given up five excuse me, four. So, so it's the, it's the defensive side of the ball that I'm a little bit worried about. Eden Hazard, you know, can he continue to push on and, and stay healthy? Ultimately, I think it's going to be the key to his success. Gareth Bale just being motivated. You know, he scored his first goal uh, of the season against Levante. They beat Alaves 4-1 in the first one. It was 3-3 against Levante. They had needed Vinicius to come in and save them. But that back line is the one that's a little bit, Alaba's there. He's playing left back right now. And I like, kind of like him and Hazard on that left side. But then you got Militao and Nacho, and you still have Vasquez playing right back. That's not going to win you a trophy of consequence, in my humble opinion, with all due respect to all the Madridistas watching. So that is the biggest point of concern. Plus, your middle three, who are tremendous players, Cruz, Modric, Casemiro, they're just not getting any younger. And they've had a lot of success in the past. Can they maintain that? That's always the big challenge as players get a little bit older. I do, though, want to take one minute to talk about Atletico Madrid because I think that Diego Simeone is putting together a very good team. They just got Cunha from Hertha Berlin. They got Rodrigo De Paul, who could turn out to be the best summer signing in this transfer window. And they've got a lot of depth, and I think they're ready to compete in multiple competitions. And they are my long shot to win this competition, plus 2,500, 25 to 1 for them to win it, uh, the, the Champions League. I don't think that's a bad shout, especially if they can survive this group and do what they have to do. Madrid are plus 1,600, uh, 16 to 1 to win the Champions League. So... That's what I have to say, but I want to give a shout out to Atleti there. 
No, great shout out. I mean, Cunha is a player, very mm -hmm. underrated from the Bundesliga. And now he's joining a manager who I think is going to help him develop. You mentioned that Paul, one of the best players for Argentina, especially in Copa America. Jonathan Johnson, if Kylian Mbappé leaves PSG, goes to Real Madrid, is that enough to uh, maybe think of Real Madrid as one of the favorites? I know that, you know, I, I know that you have issues, maybe thoughts about Mbappé leaving PSG. What, what, what do you make of it? No, I mean, no, being, being completely objective, uh, if, if Mbappe goes, sure. I, I mean, I think it gives them a, uh, more of a shot um, of, of making a deep run. I don't think it remedies all of their problems. And I think their problems are tenfold. And I think if Mbappe does come in right now, as much as it would give them a short-term boost in attack, it's going to give them a lot of long-term issues. Because as Jimmy just mentioned, you in the next couple of years, you're going to need to pretty much rip out the entire in midfield and start again. You've got to rebuild that defense, which is already looking very shaky. I mean, okay, you've got a few decent building blocks there. You've got Courtois in goal, who, you know, is going to be around for a, a fairly decent chunk of the foreseeable future. But also as well, I have real question marks about Ancelotti. So much respect for everything he's achieved over the years, but nothing that he's done in the last couple of years of his career uh, have told me that he's going to come anywhere close to winning major silverware in Europe once more. So for me, I, I have major reservations over Real Madrid. And, uh, you know, as, as exciting as, as Mbappe's arrival would be, I, I think, you know, this Real side at this moment in time needs so much investment in other areas. I don't think that he would save them. Sure, I think they'd get out of the group, but I don't think that they'd get any further than, say, a quarterfinal. And obviously it depends on the draw, who they come up against in the round of 16 as well. I think for me, Mbappe to Real Madrid is a better move next summer, keeping all the money that you potentially spend now and actually using that, uh, you know, to regenerate this uh, squad. Yeah, I'm not sure if Florentino Perez uh, cares too much about that, but I, I think you make a very good point. By the way, if Karim Benzema goes out for a few weeks, God forbid, then it's a completely different narrative for Real Madrid. All right, that's it. That's our Champions League draw show. Before we say goodbye, I just want a final thought from each of you. It can be about anything in regards to the Champions League, anything that maybe we haven't touched upon. Jimmy, what's your final thought? My final thought is this is one of my favorite days of the year. I think it's better than Christmas. We get all the top teams in Europe playing in my favorite competition, and uh, I can't get enough of it. So I'm glad I got to share this very special day with all of you, especially LME and JJ. I love it. JJ, final thoughts. Yeah, guys, likewise, you know, really psyched, uh, you know, Always great when the group stage draw lives up to the billing and more. Uh, you know, we've got so many great games to look forward to. And, you know, I'm just grateful that I'm going to be able to share it with you guys again. Uh, and, you know, look forward to, to dissecting this all with you in the, in the coming weeks and months. 100%. Thank you so much for being part of this show. Don't forget to follow, like, subscribe, Kego Lasso Pod, Jonathan Johnson, John underscore Le Gossip on Twitter, Jimmy Conrad on Twitter, Instagram, etc. By the way, the Champions League is on Paramount Plus, CBS Sports, and you can follow all the coverage with us throughout the entire season. We got plenty more to come. We'll see you next time.